and Dave's waiting for you around. Oh, you're waiting on Shay. That's all right. But we got the plumber coming tomorrow because me and my helper, we could not get it done. And, and we got the septic company coming to pump it out back there. One way or the other, we're going to be up to date. We're going to, I started to say up to snuff, but that don't sound so good. <laughs> but I tell you what, we do want to smell good in there <laughs> eventually. But God is good. He really is. It, it's a joy. Zach is in Nashville. I think Pastor Ken mentioned that. He and Tyler Feller have another company they've started helping ministries with their multimedia. And so they had, they were working with the Church of Christ. You know, that's amazing right there. They'd let a couple of charismatic boys come in there and, and get all their stuff going. But isn't that the way the kingdom is supposed to be? So we get the message about Jesus Christ out. We don't care what the name is over the door as long as it's the right Jesus. You know, years ago I had a guy come to our church in Florida and boy, I was having a lot of healings take place and, and the church was just growing and this brother came up to me. I think he was from the Church of God in Christ denomination. He could have been an angel. I don't know. I, I thought that was where he was from, but he told me, he came up and said, Pastor, I really enjoyed your message and the ministry that I saw happening, but just remember, it's Jesus Christ. It's not just any old Jesus, because I always prayed in the name of Jesus, and that stuck with me, you know. Something pierced me when he said that, and so if you notice, I always pray when I'm praying for people in the name of Jesus Christ or Jesus the Christ, you know, Christ Jesus. And so, you know, there's nothing more powerful than that name. He is the position of anointing for salvation, for deliverance, for healing, for everything. We, we prayed for a young woman from St. Louis area last week after the Wednesday night Bible study was over, and she got some real deliverance out of the soul realm from that. And, and uh, she called Lucia about 30 minutes after we left and told her about s some things that went on and how God had touched her and and so it's wonderful. People will seek you out from other cities. She went to a church of 2,000, yet she came here on a Wednesday night to get some freedom. And that's because that's part of our marking, is to help people be free. But anyway, this is part four of unblocking curses and releasing blessings. And uh, we are going to talk uh, tonight about breaking the curse of poverty. So you can head into prosperity. How many know it's not a sin to be prosperous? You know, we don't preach a message that's only about money. But there's no sin in being prosperous and using your resources for the kingdom of God. And I appreciate the fact that God has blessed certain people to do well, you know, in those areas. I had two men that were millionaires in the church in Florida, and they were older men. And, uh, and when I needed it, they seemed to come through with it and for various projects and things. But they were wise. One retired at 45 years old out of Illinois, and he was in his 70s when I went to Florida uh, as the pastor. And so he had lived down there 30-something years but he had owned several Burger Chefs. Anybody remember Burger Chef? Now they call them Hardee's or Carl's, you know, and he owned a few of those and he built houses and, and uh, he was just a really good guy. I appreciated him very much. And then the other one was a little Peruvian man, about five foot four, that uh, had come from Peru and migrated to the United States, and he was one that always told me, Pastor, everyone that comes here needs to learn to speak English. said, we shouldn't make it so easy. They need to learn English. He said, I did. And he worked his way. He worked for Studebaker for a while. 
and that's an old car name. <coughs> and then he worked for a steel manufacturing company and ended up being the president of the company in Mexico City and made a lot of money and he bought a lot of houses and properties in South Florida and because uh, his wife was born and raised in the Keys, in the Florida Keys. And he, he lived in Indiana for a time and he went to Lester Summerall's church. Anybody heard of Lester Summerall? Well, Lester Summerall was a very powerful preacher that ended up going over and getting to know Smith Wigglesworth and getting an anointing from him. You know, Smith Wigglesworth, when Lester went over there, uh, he was going to go in to meet with him, and Lester had a newspaper under his arm. And he said, you can come in, but that can't. He wouldn't let him bring a newspaper in the house. Yeah, lying rag or whatever. Anyway, he, he only had the Bible in his house for his reading material. And, of course, you know, Smith, we could have used him. He was a plumber, you know. We could use his anointing for plumbing also. But uh, he was powerful, had a powerful anointing for deliverance and healing. And then Lester Summerall did too and had a wonderful church there in South Bend, Indiana. And uh, I went in his church, and it was like a big round uh, building. And he had the flags of all the nations hanging from around the top of that room that was round every flag of all the nations, like 200 flags or so. And uh, he, he was a, definitely a missionary at heart. But uh, this man I was telling you about, Brother Carlos, he was his translator in Latin America and on TBN when Lester Summerall would come to Miami, Fort Lauderdale, and speak on TBN. And so, you know, Brother Carlos... I was running around some good company. I'll just say it like that. And uh, when I resigned and I was leaving, I went and talked to every board member and talked to him, and he wept like a baby and just said, well, Pastor, I just hate to see you go. I said, you know, but i got to obey God and go to Missouri. And uh, he said, I didn't really believe in you when you first came. He said, I had to repent because you had it in you. You did what other people couldn't do in rebuilding a church after a devastation of Hurricane Andrew and all that. It was an endurance game, you know, and uh, he appreciated it, and I appreciated him. He taught me a lot about money, finances. But anyway, God wants us to be blessed and be prosperous. He doesn't want us to be cursed with poverty. And I, you know... I understand what it's like to not have very much growing up. Pastor Ken and I both grew up with our mothers bringing in the bread. Uh, they were the breadwinners. And my dad was sick, and his dad and mom were divorced at the time. And we had grandparents that were good to us. <coughs> but, you know, we did not live high on the hog. Like I said, hand, uh, what are they called? Uh, ham hock and beans and cornbread was a delicacy in my house. I always thought, wow, this is really good stuff. I didn't know it was cheap, you know, but it was, and we lived well in that regard, and we never went a day without our needs being met, and God was faithful. I remember my father, he got some supplemental disability income because of his mental illness, <coughs> and he had a brown bag, a brown money bag with these strings that he would pull taut at the top. Y'all ever remember those bags? Well, it was in his top drawer of their chest of drawers. I always wonder what that was, but he would stick money back. Every time they would get money or my mom would get paid, they would stick the money back in that brown bag. Then they'd get the money out and take it to church, put it in the envelope, and tithe. And no matter how much or how little that they had, they always gave their tithes. And, of course, they worked with the church. And uh, my dad did his best. He, he taught us how to pray and how to read the Bible every night. And, you know, that was worth more than money. 
should, should ever give. But God did not intend us to be cursed with poverty because of his mental illness. He did not intend us to be poor because my mom at that time only had an eighth grade education. My grandfather had a fourth grade education. And he fished the Mississippi River to feed his family during the Depression. They lived over in Charleston, East Prairie area. And he would literally go fish the Mississippi River. Did whatever it took to feed the family when they were growing up. And then he, they moved and lived in, my grandmother grew up in Stringtown out M Highway. And then they lived in Fisk for a while. And, but they always went faithfully to church. My grandfather loved singing. He had a hard time singing on tune, on key, but he sold over 40,000 songbooks to churches. He had them printed up. T.G. Neal's favorite hymns. And so he sold over 40,000 songbooks out of his garage. As I was there, he'd say, go get one of those boxes of songbooks. Somebody was there from out of town somewhere. It could be from the hills, Ellington, or could be from who knows where and they were there to get a box of those songbooks they had those old hymns in them and it was so cool to have a heritage you know we have a heritage but God wants us to progress you know has God ever revealed things to you guys wave at me or something if he has you know what it's called when he reveals something revelation he gives you revelation when you hear from the Holy Spirit, He's revealing something to you. He's giving you revelation. I see Randy getting revelation all the time in the services because his face gets kind of red and he gets tears in his eyes. And then he'll tell me after, he said, Man, that was some good stuff. He said, I'm just learning some stuff. You know, it's so cool to watch because God gives us revelation. You got to dig in the Word of God, and dig in with those who speak. You know, we study so that you can learn a little bit faster and we can give you something. But He wants you to prosper. You know, this is my first statement. You must break the curse off of your money. You know, that's why revelation comes like about giving, tithing, and giving offerings. You know, in the Old Testament, they had different offerings. They had the tithe that they brought into the storehouse. They had wave offerings or sheaths. They had wave, wave the sheaths and they'd had wave offerings. They had all kinds of offerings that they gave. And they had more than one tithe. In fact, you know, one of the tithes, I believe, helped take care of the poor and the widows and the needy, you know. And uh, But they had like three tithes. And another tithe was to kind of help your retirement plan or whatever. But if you think about it, what happens with the government? When the church didn't handle it properly, what did the government do? They took your money. They took your tithes. They took your Social Security money, your Medicare money. See, before, the church used to be the lifestyle of the believers and the Bible. And uh, the government, you know, was sometimes the oppressors. Well, they still oppress a little bit, but, you know, the government got in cahoots and they decided they're going to take your money and do your retirement plan and give you, and most people appreciate getting the check, you know, after they're 65 or whatever and, and so on. But, you know, some of the others at one time thought you ought to get your own money to invest. You ought to be able to choose where your, your, your Social Security money went for an investment. Maybe you've made more money off of it. But we want the curse off of our money, period. We want to be free of the shackles of debt and free of the shackles of, you know, just not having a good lifestyle because of it. You know, even when you, I'm not looking at scripture yet, but when he talks about the tithes and offerings, and then he goes on later and he says in the book of Malachi chapter 3, that if you do that, then he will rebuke the devourer for your sake. So 
what's that saying? It's saying that when you obey the word of God, that then he rebukes the robber. He rebukes the devourer off of you. And it's funny how sometimes I remember a guy that was in the church in New Orleans when I was a young minister, and he was he had really had a radical experience in the Lord. Milton Grimes was his name. And Milton had been, a, I think, a mechanic or something. He had been in the military and all this too. And he had this car. It wasn't that new. And he had gone across Lake Pontchartrain. And he felt he had no money on him to get gas when he was across the lake. And yet his, his gauge was on empty. He knew there's no way I'm probably going to get back across the lake now. And so he was praying the whole way. He had been baptized in the Holy Spirit. He was praying and in the Spirit, and he was driving. And he made it in that lake. How long is that? About 26 miles. And that car didn't get that good a gas mileage. Plus, it was already past empty. Well, he made it all the way back across the lake, and he made it to his house where he could get his wallet or money, and uh, he said it just shouldn't have happened. But he made it on prayer, and he said on the fact that, you know, he had been started giving his offerings in church. And so God took care of him. He didn't need to be broke down on Lake Pontchartrain. You know, you get to the middle, and you can't really see anything. You can't see land very good either way. It's 13 miles each direction. Unless you're up in the arch or something, you don't see that far off, you know. So it looks like you're out in the middle of the ocean. Water makes me nervous. How about you guys? I get nervous when I'm out in the middle of a bridge or something like that. There's just too much water, you know. I, I don't want to fall off of this thing and get in that water, although I can swim. I wouldn't try to swim no 26 miles, though. That's for sure. But, you know, you have to get revelation. You have to have things revealed to you. You can't do it just because I say you need to do it. You need to have the revelation in your own heart. Wow, this is what God's telling me. And yes, if I do this, I'm blessed. And I want to obey God. And it's easy. My wife and I, we both, we love to give. And we give above our tithing every week. And if they count the offering, you don't see as much money. It's because, well, maybe I didn't get paid that week. Or maybe I only got paid half of my salary. You know, that's happened quite a few times. But you know what? God's never missed his payments for us. We've made it. And I, I always... The Lord told me years ago, he said, if you pay my bills, I'll make sure yours are paid. So when the Lord's blessing, sometimes it comes from unknown or unusual sources. You know, I had a man here at one time. He's not here anymore, but he used to shake my hand every week for like six months. And he'd put something in my hand. It was always three $100 bills. I tell you what, he didn't know how he helped pay my bills because... The offerings weren't as stout back then at that time. But I mean, God just knew that money. I could get gas. I could go to lunch. I could, you know, help pay my car payment, whatever. But God, as long as we gave our offering, and, you know, I learned to do that way back in the days at Florida. And it's because of revelation. God gave revelation. Let's look at a couple of scriptures. Uh, 3 John verse 2, Beloved, I pray that you may prosper in all things, not in a couple of things, not just in your money, but prosper in all things and be in health just as your soul prospers. Isn't that awesome? Okay, let's go from the back. If your soul is prospering, what is your soul? I've taught you body, soul, and spirit. Your soul is the seat where your heart is, where your decisions are made, where your emotions are, where you, you are at. That's that policeman of your life. He's the one that decides what you're going to do. Are you going to follow the spiritual man? Or are you going to follow your body, what your desires are, your flesh? 
your soul, if it's in tune with your spirit man and, the, and your soul's in tune with the Holy Spirit, then your soul man is going to prosper. Your emotions are going to get healthy. The things that happen in your past are where? They're behind you. They're not in front of you. They're behind you. If bad things occurred, you don't have to live that anymore. Just like this little gal we prayed for, she needs some deliverance and healing. A lot of times they need more healing than deliverance because they don't know why they don't feel better a lot of times. Because God's going to heal your heart. You're going to get over being wounded. You know, it's great. I smile almost every day. I think I wake up with a smile on my face. I swing my legs off the bed and I sit there. And I don't know that I'm smiling, but I just can't imagine I'm frowning. It takes so much effort to frown. You know, I just ain't going to frown. It's funny, Aunt Barb, she went to lunch Monday with her niece. Her niece is 77. Aunt Barb's 83. And so her niece said, tell Aunt Barb I'm coming because she won't answer her telephone. That's because she takes her, her hearing aids out at night. And then she sometimes forgets to put them back in. Sometimes she just won't answer. If she doesn't recognize the, the call, she won't answer. So I told her, I gave her a note on Sunday, said, your niece is coming to visit you on Monday, go to lunch with you. She went, McDonald's. I tried to tell her, oh, my God. I said, yeah, her niece says, daughter always sends her gift certificates for McDonald's. I said, well, you can eat that stuff, but I'm not. You know, That stuff can sit on the counter for six months and still look like it's not gone bad. You know, those French fries are so preserved. You know, they could be like darts you throw into the dartboard after six months. But uh, anyway, uh, her niece sent me a message, said it went well, and that she said, I heard that you had been losing weight, but you put it back on, and uh, they've been getting you to drink. But she said, what are you, part of the spies? And her niece told her, said, yeah, but Kevin's 007. <laughs> so she laughed. But, you know, it's, it's, it's life. God wants us to have revelation. Aunt Barb, she's been coming to church ever since the Sunday right after Thanksgiving. She came to our house for Thanksgiving dinner, and she has not missed a Sunday since, even when I've gone out of town. Pastor Ken's taken her out to eat on Sunday. But you're talking about a lady that never attended church hardly at all. I mean maybe 20 times in the last 40 years. And now she says, well, it's not like the church I grew up in. I think they were uh, Presbyterian but or Baptist. And, but uh, she said, but who cares? I like it. <laughs> you know? and, and so it's, it's revelation. She's not too late to get some revelation on life. She's learning. She's growing. She's watching the praise and worship, and she watches all you guys. And she tells me, the church people are all so nice. Said, I just love this church. She really does. You know, and of course, we made sure that she knew that she was saved, that she had confessed Jesus and believed in him. Well, her soul has been prospering. She hardly spends any money, so I know her bank account's growing every month. But, you know, she's doing good. And a lot of it, she tells me, I don't know what I'd do without you guys. I say, well, we're here. You don't have to worry about us not being here. You know, you don't have to do without us. We're here. God's got us here. You're here. That's why I call you the queen bee. You're Barbara. You know, you're my last living relative, you know, uh, above us in generations. And I said, it's important that you get in here and grow and become everything God wants you to be. And you show love to people. And she does. She'll talk about Tim. He does her yard. He just does such a great job. I'll remind her as long as I'm telling him where he misses. And you got to get that too, Tim. And uh, he gets it. But uh, he, he loves going and cutting her tree limbs and mowing her grass. And she just thinks the world of him. That's all part of our body. You know, our life. But 
we got to break the curse off our money. Luke 6.38 says, Give, everybody say give, and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over will be put into your bosom. For with the same measure that you use, it will be measured back to you. Pay attention to those words. With the same measure as you use. It didn't say hoard up in your bank account. You know, if you give, he says, I'm going to give it back. It's going to be good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over. It's going to be put in your bosom. I remember uh, uh, Robert Shula. He had that crystal cathedral. He built as a monument to the Lord. I don't think I'd spend all that money on it, but he felt like that's what God wanted him to do. And he got the money and he did it. But he talked about growing up, I think is on a farm in Montana or somewhere like that. I might have the wrong state, but it's up north. And they grew potatoes. might have been Idaho. But they grew potatoes, and he said he would go with his father and his grandfather, and they had this wagon. And they had a horse that pulled the wagon, Brother Sherman. And he said they would pile up the potatoes up high, and they would go to town. There was no paved roads back then. And the rocky dirt paths that they would go down would jostle all around and up and down. And as it went like that, guess what happened? It shook all those potatoes until they all came down as far as they would. That's He could have got more in there if they could have gone back and got more potatoes back then. But you see, that's what he says. Hey, I'm going to give you a good measure. Shaken together. Pressed down. It's going to be overrunning where people put it into your bosom. That's like when Brother Sherman would bring those zucchinis or uh, Brother Ken brings us a cucumber or something. Brother Kevin brings those little tomatoes. Those are so good. You, you want a good snack? I just get wash some of those tomatoes. I put them in a bowl. I sprinkle, get, get them the water on so I can sprinkle a little salt. I just pop them in just like a snack watching TV. It's so good. Refreshing. And But see, people bring stuff and give it to you right in your bosom. I mean, give it right to you. Sometimes they give you things that they, they didn't even know you needed it. Sometimes it's money. Sometimes it's something else. But whatever it is, it's good. But he says, for with the same measure that you use, it will be measured back to you. Not how much you hoard. It's when you give and you use your money. You know, Zach is my son, and I'm very proud of him. His wife helps her mother clean some of the banks around the area, and she makes a little extra money that way and pays for her cell phone and things like that. I won't tell too much of their business, but she helps her mom out. And yet, Zach, he provides for his family. We pay him a, a salary. Not quite full-time, of course. It's less than I get paid. And he does the Sunday. He says, Dad, pay yourself before you pay me. I say, no, son. You're the Sunday preacher. I'm going to pay you before I pay myself in, in case there's not enough money came in the offering that week. It's funny because sometimes it comes through tithely, sometimes through PayPal, sometimes it comes in more on Wednesday than came in on Sunday. It just amazes me how the money comes in. But we have not been without. And so uh, I've watched him. He has got this business started with this Tyler fellow. And they're doing multimedia stuff for churches and ministries. He has, uh, what else does he do? He was... He had like three or four different streams of income anyway by these different things that he was doing. He was doing something online, plus he works at the college full-time. So he's got these streams of income coming in. 
because our salary to him is housing. It takes care of his housing. You know, so he's blessed. And I watch as he's able to do the things he wants to do. He's free, but he uses it. He uses his abilities. You know, he uses money. He doesn't just store it up, buy some CDs. He'll go buy the equipment he needs to do those jobs. And so he can make a, a even more living, you know, for his family. And uh, they got a good house at a good price, really a good price because he bought it before all the prices started going through the roof on houses. And uh, they're blessed. I've watched those that know how to work and handle themselves and their money. It's really amazing. But as you use it, it'll be measured back to you. You know, and God gives you more than you give. He'll do it 30, 60, and even 100-fold return on your offerings. Your tithing, He makes your 90% go farther so that maybe you don't break down as much. Maybe your uh, housing appliances last longer. Man, that cook stove my wife had, I think we bought it right after we moved here shortly. It lasted for like 15 years. And then we just bought a new stove, you know. But she had some money used back. She didn't hoard it to just, oh, you know, well, we can just cook on the top and we got the air fryer, we can do this. We can even make brownies in the air fryer or whatever. No, she said, I need a good oven. And she knew which one she wanted. Well, actually, the one she really wanted, we don't have gas. She'd love to have gas on the top. But anyway, but she didn't just hold back like a miser. She bought a good oven. And guess what? I think Brother Sherman appreciates that oven because when he brings the zucchinis, she makes the zucchini bread and gives him his loaf. <laughs> but it's awesome. It really is. Anyway, statement number two, we move out of poverty and into prosperity. You can't be in both at the same time. You know, God doesn't want you to be in poverty. He wants you to prosper, just like Third John 2. He wants you to be in good health. He wants you to prosper. He wants you to have the money and funding you need. And He will supply. He will definitely do that. But... Uh, he wants you to move out of that poverty. And what is he really? what are we really saying there? He wants you to move out of any mentality that would make you act like you're poor. If you think poor and if you act poor, then you're going to live poor. I'm not saying go be extravagant, you know, and waste money doing it. But, you know, if you have that mentality you're always going to be poor, you are going to be poor. If you've got a mentality, I'm going to work my way out of this, you know what, I'm going to have an avenue just like Zach. He's not going to be poor because he's working three or four jobs. I don't know how this kid does it, but he does. And a lot of people, I think about different ones that work for companies, they got a retirement, then they get a Social Security, and then sometimes they're working another job still or whatever, you know. I see these older folks at Walmart greeting people as you go in the door. I think to myself, you know, I could do that job. If I ever get to where I can't drive and preach out of town and do the ministry, I could go to Walmart and say, I, I love talking to people, you know. I'd be talking to them all the time. I get paid for talking, isn't that great? What do they pay down there anyway, about $18 an hour, 16 an hour? I think they pay pretty good at Walmart, to tell you the truth. That's pretty good money. But anyway, let's look at Ephesians 5, 27. That he might present her to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she should be holy and without blemish. And you might be wondering, where does that come into prosperity? Well, does it glorify God for us to be down in the mouth and whore-mouthing it all the time? No. We need to step out and see what opportunities He's going to give us. 
He wants his church to be glorious, without spot, without a blemish, without a wrinkle. He wants us, you know, prosperity for one person may be less. I can tell you this. I've got kids and grandkids, and when they come over, we got to have some room. That's a lot of people. A lot of kids running around with toys, and we got dogs, you know. So our living area needs to be big enough. But I'll tell you what, and I think my wife will outlive me one day, but maybe we'll both go in the rapture. But I'll tell you this, if I was by myself, I could live in a tiny house. I, I would just want it to be a nice one. I don't want a poor tiny house. I'd want a, a one that's prosperous, good, high quality, everything. You know, That's just because I only use like three rooms. The room where the refrigerator is, the room where the TV is, and the room where my bed is, well, plus a bathroom. You've got to have a bathroom, you know, with a shower in it. But that's prospering to me. I could prosper that way. But if you've got a big family, you want rooms. You want them to have bedrooms, and you want them to have room to play and a yard to play in and all that. So, you know, certain things are, are, are certain ways for certain people, but he wants a glorious church. He wants us to be prospering. He wants us to shine with his glory, with his outpouring upon our lives. Amen? He really does. And you know, I'll never forget when we went through Hurricane Andrews, we lost our house. We lived in a tiny house. We lived in a 35-foot or 30-foot RV, you know, for three months. And we had a uh, generator to run our electric for 13 weeks until the generator at behind Hank's house threw a rod or whatever they have in them. Anyway, it quit working. That day the power came back on. You talk about a glorious day. But we learned to live with less. We had a really nice house, four bedroom and an office, nice fenced-in yard before that, but the hurricane destroyed it. Pastor Ken moved into a damaged house. You know, because he said the Lord told him, don't fear to go to Florida. I hired him by faith, and he was on his way down when the hurricane destroyed our whole area. He still came anyway, just like he went through the hurricane. I tell you what, they had trauma, and they weren't even there for it. They moved into trauma city. But I know this, God took care of us, and the Lord blessed us out of it. And because... State Farm was around. They were very good to us. And we had the money to get another house and to get new furniture because we had used our measure. You see, we used our money to buy house insurance, and that was a blessing to us. Or else we had been leaning on FEMA. And how many know FEMA is not God? They're far from it. And uh, I won't even go there. But anyway, Exodus 12, 35 and 36. Now the children of Israel had done according to the word of Moses, and they had asked from the Egyptians articles of silver, articles of gold, and clothing. And the Lord had given the people favor in the sight of the Egyptians, so that they granted them what they requested. Thus they plundered the Egyptians. How many of y'all know God wants us to be able to plunder our enemies? You know, God wants to bless us. You know, after that hurricane, I bought some furniture pretty cheap that was really good furniture. And I got cars for us. Got her a uh, Toyota Camry, and I got a pickup truck. And uh, hers was used a year or two, but it was a really nice little, you know, those were small back then. But she loved that Camry, and it was a new, good car. And we had furniture, and we were so thankful to move into a house that had walls, that had a roof. Because <laughs> the one we sold, the roof was ripped off of the thing, and it damaged all of our furniture. But God replaced it all. He took care of us, and he'll take care of you. But he had them because it troubled the Egyptians so bad, they were willing to give them all this gold and silver and clothing and whatever, just get out of here, leave us alone. 
their firstborn children had died, and they released them. Get out of here. Of course, Pharaoh, he got, you know, a little burr up his saddle, and he didn't like it too well. So he went after them. You know what happened? God allowed those waters to come and destroy them, and they ended up in the wilderness. And they had some issues, but they, at least God blessed them to get out of there. Really, they left with money, you could say. Statement three, sometimes you have to plunder the enemy and there will be an end-time transfer of wealth. I, I really believe that there is an end-time transfer of wealth coming to the church, and I believe that it's going to surprise people. You know, they're talking about uh, possible reclamation and retribution or redistribution of monies that had been taken from the American people to come back to the American people. And I want to see that. I think that'd be just great. I won't go into details on that here, though. But, you know, God's got a plan for us to be blessed and to be prosperous. He wants us to be more than overcomers. Amen? All right. Proverbs 13, 22. A good man leaves an inheritance to his children's children, but the wealth of the sinner is stored up for the righteous. So a lot of people made uh, money in an ungodly way. And, you know, I think God's going to cause them to cough that up to bless the church. I think people are going to give offerings to the church and they're not even going to know why. I don't know why, but I need to give your church some money here. You know, it's on my conscience or whatever. You know, I had to sell. I, I got to be careful how much I say. But I had to take care of my aunt's uh, estate and had to take care of the church. I was only, they put me on the board as a board member in case something ever happened to them that, I could deal with that and sell it and bring the money into our church, and that's how we paid off the second mortgage we have had. It's gone in the blink of an eye because of the money that I got out of that little church building over there on NN Highway. But, you know, I had an appraisal done. I won't say by who or anything, but it was low. It just was wrong. And, you know, Sister Virginia put me with a couple of nice ladies to sell it. And you know what? I had a buyer, and they bought it. And then in the mail one day, I go to the P.O. box, and I look in there. I say, what's this? And I opened it up. And the money, the check was returned. Every cent of it that I spent for that appraisal. So I don't even think that appraisal was filed with anybody. But the person sent me the money back. It's like God made them do it. So I didn't even have to have an appraisal because the people who bought it decided they'd pay a certain amount and we accepted it. And it worked out real well because it was enough that I was able to pay off the second mortgage. So it was wonderful. Isn't God good? Oh, man. Well, let's see what the next point is. Poverty is the is of the curse and prosperity is of the promises. You know, I'm not getting into Deuteronomy chapter 28 tonight, but there are curses that are going to come upon people because of the way they live their life, and there's blessings that are going to come upon people because of the way they live their life. Are they going to obey God? You know, if God tells you to do something and you do it, God just keeps returning to you. You know, like I said, this man gave me three $100 bills, and a mama came up to me and said, uh, said, I don't know what I'm going to do. I don't have any money to buy my kids Christmas presents this year. No longer than I have my hand in my pocket with those three $100 bills in my hand. I just pulled out my hand, and I put that in her hand and gave it to her. She was shocked. I said, there you go. See, God provides. He provides for me. But when God says release it, this ain't my money. It's, it's God's money that he allows me to use. And so 
I had that as a blessing. I could have bought my kids a gift with that. But no, I gave it to her for her kids to have a Christmas. I'm not bragging on me. I, I've got to tell you something so you understand that we got to obey God. You need to obey God. That was a good investment in a family and in the kingdom of God. You do that, and then when it comes time to do things like go to the mission field, and I won't say who they are, but there was three individuals that put money in my hand that paid for my whole trip last time. That was amazing. And I'm going to go again, but I don't know if they're the same ones going to give. They might give something, but, you know, God's going to take care of it. Every time I'm supposed to go somewhere, God provides the money to do it. God provided for Zach's trip. And you heard his testimony. My goodness, wasn't that awesome what God was doing? But poverty is a curse and prosperity is part of the promise. So we're to prosper, not to run around and act like we're rich. We're to prosper, to have money, to function, and to do everything that God wants us to do. Amen? Psalm 73, 1 through 17. I'm doing good on time. Truly God is good to Israel, to such as are pure in heart. Pure in heart's not being double-minded, by the way. So, but as for me, my feet had almost stumbled. My steps had nearly slipped. Have you ever felt that way? You just don't know if you're going to make it. For I was envious of the boastful. When I saw the prosperity of the wicked, for there are no pangs in their death, but their strength is firm. Stop there for a second. I'll read the next one here in a second. But there's been times I've seen people that boasted about what they had and their money. I saw somebody that way, and it always kind of turned me off. And then the next thing I know, they lost their business. You never know. For there are no pangs in their death, but their strength is firm. Verse 5, They are not in trouble as other men, nor are they plagued like other men. Therefore pride serves as their necklace. Violence covers them like a garment. Have you ever noticed sometimes bad things happen to certain businesses or families? And sometimes you just wonder, wow, you know, that just doesn't seem right. But then we see people like Sherman, Virginia, they get a bad event happen to them. Look at he's walking with a walker. It's a miracle. You know, God's blessed him with his health and her health. And, and you know, he's going to return back everything that the devil tried to steal from them. But their eyes bulge with abundance, and they have more than heart could wish. They scoff and speak wickedly concerning oppression. They speak loftily. They set their mouth against the heavens, and their tongue walks through the earth. Therefore his people return here, and waters of a full cup are drained by them. And they say, how does God know? And is there knowledge in the Most High? Behold, these are the ungodly who are always at ease. They increase in riches. Surely I have cleansed my heart in vain and washed my hands in innocence. For all day long I have been plagued and chastened every morning. If I had said I will speak thus, behold, I would have been untrue to the generation of your children. When I thought how to understand this, it was too painful for me until I went into the sanctuary of God. Then I understood their end. You know, sum it up in southern Missouri vernacular, what goes around comes around. And so, you know, if you're not living right and you're acting like you're the you know, toast of the town, a lot of times bad things come. And then you forget who they are. You know, they're not blessed people. But remember the other scripture that we're to leave our children's children an inheritance. The wealth of the wicked 
is laid up for the righteous and we're to leave the generations an inheritance. You know, my children's children are Judah and Laney and Avery and Lyrica and we got a, a little girl coming, Nova. Did I miss one here? Who? Mia. Mia. Yeah. She's the one that's getting a new tooth. Not wanting to go to sleep at night, crying a lot. You know? But all those, you know, I want to be so blessed that I can help my grandkids. I've done everything I can to help my kids, you know. You know, I don't I, I might could have had a good big old amount in my bank account if I hadn't given so much to my kids. But they don't they can't ever say they didn't have enough. They didn't have the right shoes to play their sports or a decent vehicle to drive so they could get to them back and go to college and go to their jobs. We did everything we knew to do to help them to do well. And now my goal is to help their kids to grow up and do well. And that's the inheritance I want to give. I want to give our grandkids a good inheritance. I like it when I go to the ball game and Avery sees me over there on the sideline watching her kick a soccer ball. You know, that's important. But they're important for me to come and watch and yell her name. Way to go, Avery. She turns around and looks and sees what's going on. She was the goalie the first half last night. You know, so it was fun. But anyway, God wants us to be blessed and not cursed. James 5, 1 through 7 says, Come now, you rich, weep and howl for your miseries that are coming upon you. Your riches are corrupted and your garments are moth-eaten. Your gold and silver are corroded and your corrosion will be a witness against you, will eat your flesh like fire. You have heaped up treasure in the last days. Indeed, the wages of the laborers who mowed your fields which you kept back by fraud, cry out, and the cries of the reapers have reached the ears of the Lord of Sabaoth. You have lived on the earth in pleasure and luxury. You have fattened your hearts as in the day of slaughter. You have condemned, you have murdered the just. He does not resist you. Therefore, be patient, brethren, until the coming of the Lord. See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth waiting patiently for it until it receives the early and the latter rain. Those who don't know the Lord and they have cancer or something, they're desperate. And no amount of their money can heal them and take care of them. But we see God time after time after time touch somebody and bring them through. He doesn't always take it away, but he brings them through their trouble. And we don't even blame him for our loved ones going on to be with him because they're in a much better place than we're in. And we wouldn't bring them back for anything at this time. You know, we just, you know, trust the Lord and say, God, why am I here? Why am I still here? You know, I told her to pick up truck one time, Brother Sherman. And I got out and I was looking at it and the lady jumped out of her car and ran over and said, who's in there? I said, nobody. Did they get thrown out? I said, no, they crawled out. said, where are they? I said, well, I am the one who crawled out. She said, well, you don't even look hurt. I said, I know. The Lord was with me. I was able to testify to her right on the side of the highway. The trooper said, man, the looks of that truck, you should be dead. I said, yeah, but the Lord still got a purpose for my life. I witnessed to a trooper, to a lady on the side of the road, the man that run me off the edge of the road in a big old diesel. I didn't even throw the blame on him. He might have lost his job. But he got too close to me, and it made me go over on the edge of the, the shoulder where it was gravel. And then I was going around a curve, and, I, and that put me into a spin, and I couldn't stop it. And I tried to correct, and then I went boom, 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 boom. It looked like it was smacked all over the place. And I stood on my steering wheel and climbed out the passenger window. And I got two scratches here and here because of broken glass in the window. 
I said, I'm fine. Just take me wherever you're taking my truck to the tow driver, tow truck driver. The trooper said, you don't want an ambulance? I said, I don't need an ambulance. I'm fine. I'm standing right here. I was blessed. But you know what? God still had a lot for me to do. I've prayed for a lot of people since then. I've led a lot of people to the Lord since then. I've prayed a lot of them through the Holy Spirit. I've, I've seen miracles. There's been blinded eyes open since then. He did not intend for me to die that day. That's why y'all are still alive. He didn't intend for you to die because he's still got work for you to do. And this becomes part of your testimony about God's keeping power. You're prospering because he's keeping his hand on your life. You know, but some, their their riches just are like corroded metal because they won't use it for good. You know, if you could and you're a good person and you're a believer and you're thriving and you could give, you could give to somebody that really needs something. You know, that sister that gave Sheila her vehicle, she came to me and said, because I said, Lord, man, if somebody's got extra vehicles, they could give it and we could give it to people that need it. Y'all remember that day? And she come up with her son after and said, I want I got an extra vehicle that her granddaughter didn't want. So they bought her granddaughter one that she wanted. And they had that vehicle. And you know what? I said, I know who needs that. There was four or five people raised their hand they needed a vehicle. But it was like an arrow was over Sheila's head. Right here, she needs this vehicle. Her car was on its last leg, wasn't it? And it had stopped. It died just about. It had already gave up the ghost. But you know what? She's a sweet lady that's worked hard, taking care of her family. She's worked in the church. She ministers to the children. And, you know, I guess I was just the conduit. I was just the, the traffic light, you know. Yeah, come on through. Yes, that's the one. Yeah, bring it through. And that dear sister went on to be with the Lord. She's already in heaven. But you know what? That car is still going for the glory of God. And Sheila's driving. And she's coming and doing children's church on Sunday. Isn't that how God works? You're prospering because you have given your heart to the Lord. You've worked for the Lord. And she had extra. Well, she could have just tried to sell it or do anything with it. But when she heard that, it pricked her heart. The Holy Spirit said, give it. And so we gave it. I've seen that happen five or six times in this church where we were able to pass a vehicle on to somebody else because that's what God wanted to do. You know what? When you do that, your blessings are going to be extreme. They're going to be extremely good. Hallelujah. What time is it? It's about time to get done, isn't it? What verse am I up to? Proverbs 10:22. The blessing of the Lord makes one rich, and he adds no sorrow with it. His blessing makes you rich, and he adds no sorrow to it. You know, you, 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 the blessing, and what is rich? Rich for one person is different than rich for another person. I think I'm rich. You know that the kids that went to school with my kids, they thought we were rich. I don't know why. I guess because my kids wore good clothes. They were well-mannered. They were well-cared for, well-fed. They came to our, ch our house. We treat them good. We, we do have a swimming pool. But it's not the most fanciest pool in the world. But I mean, you know, but they could see the blessing of the Lord on us. My wife makes great cookies and brownies. And she always had something for the kids that would come over and be blessed. They always like to come to our house. My wife was a blessing. Statement number five. The wicked get rich by defrauding people. I went to a particular business one time getting my car worked on. And they came to me and said, and I just needed one thing done. They came and said, 
can I show you something? They, they brought me out there and showed me something. And they wiggled it or something. Said, this is wrong. This is what you need. And I kind of felt it was iffy. Kind of like, it's probably not necessary. But I can afford it, so I'm going to get it done. Because I don't want my son driving a car that's going to break down on the side of the road. But then, I had something happen again, and I took it back and asked for a particular mechanic, even. And they came to me and said, well, you know, and this is, this is when Chelsea was driving a car that I passed down to her, and said, you know you need stretch, because she was, at that time, dating a boy, and, and uh, he lived out in the country and had gravel road, and she had beaten that car to death, okay. Anyway, I'm glad she grew up finally. Because she'd go to see his family and everything. But I took it to my buddy that owns a car lot. And he said, let me drive it. He drove it around the car lot. I mean, they were wanting me to spend fourteen to $1,600 for new struts and all this kind of stuff underneath and new shocks and whatnot. You know, you really need to have this done. He said, you know what this is? And he showed me. It was one little thing that connects by the tire. I don't know if you call it a tie rod or what it was. But anyway, it was one item. He said, I'm going to call O'Reilly's. You go buy it there in my name and get my price. Then you go over where my son-in-law runs a shop with his car lot, and his mechanic will put it on for you. So I did that. It cost me $35. And I drove that thing out, and it didn't have, there was no, problem it didn't bump there was no sound i said they were going to take me for 1600 bucks one is a 35 dollar deal maybe 55 with 20 dollars for labor something like that but you see people defraud people because they want your money the wicked get rich by defrauding people they don't get rich by the blessing of god but when you're a giver and you love people, the Lord will help you. And you know what? Uh, I've got too many scriptures and too much stuff, so I'm not going to go any further. I think I got my message across. Do you all agree? Amen. All right. Well, let me say it like this. You know, you go and you do what you do to the best of God's anointing and ability in you when i go places and i minister and i prophesy and pray for people and they get healed and you get a blind person healed they're eternally grateful you prophesy over somebody word of the lord and it changes the course of their whole life and direction and to me it was just a simple word in my head i didn't think it up i didn't even make it up god gave it to me and i gave it to them and boom it changed their direction that's quite amazing. And I thank God for the opportunity to serve him. That he helps me and takes care of me. And it's an awesome thing. But there are a lot of lies out there. Like money is evil. No, the love of money is the root of all evil. Money is not evil. It's just a tool. In fact, Proverbs says money is life. You know, you got to have money to live. we got to have money to pay the utility bill. We got to have money to pay the plumber tomorrow. We got to have money to pay the septic tank guy tomorrow. We got to have money to pay salaries. We got to have money to buy paint, to paint that fellowship hall. You know, money is just life. You got to use money to get what you need to do what you need to do. And so, I want to just admonish you again. I want to encourage you, not admonish you so much. But the word said, if you give, it'll be given back to you. Pressed down, shaken together. Like those potatoes, they go from a big pile down to just a certain amount. He makes room for so much more to come your way because he knows how to shake it and he knows how to bless it. And he'll give you so much more so that you can do more with your life. When you have a need, He'll have it to provide for you. Isn't that awesome? God is good. 
Stand with me. I'm excited because I know some great things are about to happen. And great things are already happening as we speak. But we're going to see great things. We're going to see the glory of God come like we've never seen it before. And it's going to be awesome. Brother Sherman's going to drive a pickup truck again. He wants another Ford. Just don't get a 2023. They're not making the parts yet. <laughs> so next truck is still in the shop. Get fixed. There's not enough parts. He needed an older model. <laughs> well, Lord, I pray you bless Brother Sherman with the truck that he will like and that will provide his transportation needs when he's ready to drive that he'll be able to, that you'll provide for him everything needed. You'll provide for all these that are here and their household and their family and for whatever they're doing for your kingdom, O oh God. And we give you praise and glory and honor. Amen. All righty. Bless y'all. We just pray for traveling mercy on Zach if he's not home yet.